Welcome everyone to Knox Game Design for October 2023. So this month I'm going to be talking about object-oriented game maker. So uh, everybody out there who's like knows how to make a game maker game, this may be like the next step into making your games a little bit better, a little bit more interesting, things like that. Um, so why object-oriented? So you can define attributes and functionality that is common between multiple objects in one place so you don't have to duplicate code, repeat code, which is, is bad because when you start repeating code, then if you have to change it in one place, then you have to change it in multiple places. So using object-oriented, then you can define things once and then make subclasses and so you don't have to... Uh, repeat code and, and functionality and, and game maker they don't call it subclasses so uh, in a lot of languages such as Java and, and C sharp and Ruby and all those good languages they, they call them classes but game maker technically doesn't have classes but you can kind of do things in an object-oriented way they have parenting so here's some examples of, of things that you could define in, in a parent class such as health Attack power, like if we're talking about enemies, uh, defense value, and then you can define methods such as take damage, like all enemies have a take damage method. So you can define that in one spot, not have to define it for every single different type of enemy that you have. And in that function, you can pass in a parameter such as how much damage uh, that enemy is taking. As I said, it reduces code duplication, and you can uh, override functions. If you have special cases, then you can override the functionality in, in, the, in the parent. So let me move this magnifier. So I found that this is the best approach uh, in my last game. So I've always done things the wrong way. I've always like duplicated, and I make an enemy, and then I make another enemy, and another enemy, and they're all separate. But the thing to do is create one enemy object, like a super class, or a parent, as they call it in Game Maker. And as I mentioned, these have the generic attributes for all enemies, attack, defense, um, things like that. Um, a little bit later on, you might look into things like, hey, is an enemy stunnable or freezable, things like that. Then, then every enemy would respond to that call a different way and eventually uh, you can also look at behaviors uh, a way of having like multiple inheritance which uh, really isn't supported in game maker but in other languages you have behaviors um, so then you can have an enemy type um, I'll show a few examples that I came up with but uh, you can have an overarching type of enemy the behaviors how that enemy acts moves uh, the AI, things like that. Uh, yeah, that's what I put here. Attack pattern, default attributes, like the movement, default movement speed, jump height, weight delay. And then I have what's called an enemy rank. So you could have uh, an enemy type, but then have different ranks of that enemy. Uh, so one might be a little bit faster, or jump a little bit higher, have a little bit more health, a little bit more defense, things like that. So it has the same overall behavior of that enemy type, but maybe a little bit more, a little bit stronger. And that makes your game a little bit more interesting. That way, you can have the same enemy, but have different uh, levels of that enemy. Um, and you see that with a lot of. I'll go over some examples here in a minute, but uh, 
like in Dragon Warrior for the NES, you have like a wolf, and then you have like a, a super wolf, and then a mega wolf or whatever, and it's basically the same behavior for all those enemies, but some are just a little bit stronger than other ones. So yeah, if you I think most of us have played Super Mario Brothers. So I have up here, I think I took that sprite from Galaga, just a generic enemy. This could be an enemy in any game. So you have the health and, and attributes such as that, is alive, things like that. And then down here you have the different types of enemies. And I, I'll just show an example how I broke this one down. Uh, there's probably different ways you can do it. But I have what's called the shelled enemy, which is like the Koopa. Uh, so I have him grayed out because uh, he, this super, this parent enemy has multiple uh, subclasses or sub enemies that inherit from the shelled enemy. So the shelled enemy would have like an instompable, or like an, if you're playing Mario 3, where you can pick up the shell after it's been stomped. So all of these children all inherit that behavior. So you have Green Koopa, Red Koopa, and then you even have the Buzzy Beetle because, I mean, he looks different, but he still inherits that stompable, hide-in-the-shell behavior. Um, and then you have the other enemies, Hammer Brother, Lucky Two, Goomba, and the Cheap Cheeps. They're all kind of the same um, in the original Super Mario Brothers. But if you wanted to, you could have one a little bit more powerful. Or I guess in Super Mario 3, you have a Hammer Bro that can... That can shoot fireballs, and so it has the same overall, same behavior as a Hammer Brother, but he, he does something a little bit different. So, um, And I also mentioned the Paratrooper down here, so it is also a shelled enemy. He just has wings, so that winged property would be a, an add-on for that, that subclass. Uh, looking at Legend of Zelda, so we have like the same generic enemy, health, attack, and defense, and I broke this out into four different enemies down here. These aren't all the enemies in original Legend of Zelda, but just for example, so we have like an Octorok. All the Octoroks move, wait, then move in a different direction. They have a default speed. And so I just have some examples. I don't think these are exact. I just kind of guessed at some of these values. So these values may not be exact. But I just put like speed one, health one for the red Octorok, speed two, health two for the blue, and then the blue can shoot. I think the red can also shoot, but in this example, we're saying, hey, the blue can shoot, and the red doesn't shoot. Uh, you have a Moblin. The blue one's a little bit more powerful, so you have the generic Moblin uh, with his movement pattern. I think he shoots arrows, and then you break that down into two <coughs> subclasses or two children objects. The Dark Nut, same thing. You have the generic Dark Nut up here. He, the only way you can damage him is by stabbing him from behind. Um, so you have the red and the blues. So one has a little bit, the blue has a little bit more health, or I think double the health. I think that might actually be four health for the red or orange and eight for the blue. Um, and then tech types. They all kind of jump in the same pattern, like a spider. So you have a red one and a blue one. Maybe the blue one jumps twice as high. So you'll have the generic attributes in, in, in the super class and the parent object, and then uh, you can modify the different ranks or instances in the, in the subclasses or sub-objects. And as just showing here, this can also be applied to weapons or items, not just enemies. So you have a, like a boomerang in Zelda. So a boomerang has like a default velocity, a state, whether it's departing or returning back to the player, uh, the 
the part time, how long it's going to go out, and then then the current part time, how long it's been going out. So you can have like a wood, wooden boomerang or whatever it's called, and it would have a depart time two before it starts coming back, and then you could have a magical boomerang with the default part time of four, so it goes twice as far. But you're still going to have the base code for a boomerang defined in the boomerang parent, and you'll just modify that departure time um, for each of the two instances, each of the two children. And that way you're not rewriting all the boomerang code <laughs> over again. Yeah, so this is what I was talking about in GameMaker. So you just go down and under your object you have parent. You can see here I have the object enemy class up here. And then I have a specific instance of this enemy called enemy 2 the green one. Um, so basically, um, yeah, so the object enemy has a health and all that good stuff. And in this example, I defined all the, all the attributes of this type of enemy in the subclass, as you can see here. Then I cleaned it up later to make do it the right way. But here's an example, and I'll show it in GameMaker here in a second. But you can see here where I have all these children of the object enemy so you can click on object enemy then if you click on you can click on parent i think and you can see all the children of this object so in the object enemy you can see where i defined let me pull my magnifier over so it has a health of one an attack of one an invincible delay so if an enemy is attacked then it's going to have a little bit of recovery period that way whenever your your weapon collides with the enemy it's not continually colliding it's got like a little period uh wait period to be able to be damaged again then i have something called a bonus uh, with this game you're getting time back for every enemy that you defeated but this could also be like rupees or hearts so you could have like a default item that it drops and here's something that i learned i didn't know this until like a, a few weeks ago but you can define functions and this was driving me up the. It's always driven me up the wall about game makers. There's no. I never thought there was a way to define custom functions, but you can do like this function called do damage, then do equal sign, then function, and then within parens your parameter, then open brace and close brace, and then you can put all your logic in there. And I also found out you can the you can also define this in a different syntax as function then space do damage in the parameter. I think that's the way I started doing it after, because this is, I don't know if there's a difference between those two ways, but I think the function, then the function name after looks a little bit cleaner to me. But this was the f first way that I found out how to do it. So this is default do damage. So it's just going to subtract off the damage value from the health and give the enemy a little bit of an invincible delay. Then if the health after being hit is greater than zero, we're going to play the sound enemy hit. And if the health is zero or less, then we're going to play the enemy dead sound. So here's how you inherit. So you create, uh, you take your child object and then you uh, tell it its parent is the object enemy. And then you can go and create. And over here, what you do is you call event inherited. Uh, so this is kind of like calling, I think, uh, super in Java or base 
and C sharp. So that's going to, and I know like in a lot of object oriented languages like Java, it implicitly calls super for you uh, when you implement this method in the subclass. But if you don't have invent inherited, then it won't call the super class or the parent uh, create method. And it took me a little bit while to figure that out because I created the child object to start out with. I was like, hey, why isn't it inheriting all the values of the of the parent? Well, you got to explicitly call event inherited. Then you can override any of the values of the of the parent. So if object enemy has a health of one, you can define it as two. All the custom values in here. Uh, so you can either override or create new values. I'm not sure about this, but I think if you call event inherited at the end, then these values won't get implied. So it's like you're setting these values, then it calls the parent object. So you got to be careful where you place event inherited. <clears throat> so to override a function, you just define it in the subclass, and then you put the special the overriding code so this was an enemy with children so it checks to see if and the enemy can only be damaged if you defeat all the children enemy first so in that case we overrode the do damage function in the child enemy object um, for its specific uh, code now i don't know if there's a way to call like super after here <clears throat> call the super class do damage i'm not sure but the reason you want to do this is because if you have like a weapon and the weapon calls do damage then you don't want to have to like it makes it a lot cleaner if you just call it on the enemy object you, it's kind of like casting it all as an en enemy object then it all kind of figures itself out uh when you call do damage on the enemy then it calls the subclasses uh do damage method uh and not the super class or the parent I, I always say super class because that's how I was introduced to object oriented. It's, it's kind of the, the parent equals super class, basically, from my understanding. Um, yeah, so that's it. What else? Uh, so in Game Maker, there's no multiple inheritance. As I alluded to earlier, uh, some game development environments, I know Stencil, I believe, does it. Maybe some other ones, but you have behaviors, and that's kind of like a multiple inheritance. So you create an enemy, and you like add a jump behavior or a move and wait behavior. And I think that's a little bit cleaner way of doing things. Uh, so I don't think Game Maker. I mean, you could probably come up with, with a way to do that. You probably create one like enemy class and define all these different attributes, and you could probably just select which of those behaviors. Uh, you want the enemy to use. Uh, I really haven't worked with that. I just know it like in stencil. It comes by default. You drag in the enemy's behaviors. And the point is that's a way of doing multiple inheritance. So you can have behaviors from <clears throat> that you add to enemies. You just got to make sure that these behaviors don't conflict. Because uh, you don't want an enemy like jumping and shooting at the same time. Or there's ways that variables can interact with things in the wrong way. Uh, so you just got to be aware of that. Yeah, so that's what I mentioned here. You have stompable enemy, walking enemy, jumping enemy, shooting. So you don't want an enemy walking and jumping at the same time. <laughs> That'd be kind of strange. So you just got to watch out for that. Yeah, so that allows you to assign multiple behaviors to an enemy type. So here's Game Maker back here. 
So, yeah, if you look over here, just recently, this, so here's my object enemy right here. So you see the object enemy has no sprite at all, and it's, the sprite is what it uses to determine collision boxes and things like that. But as long as you define the sprite in the subclass, you know, here's a collision mask right here, uh, th then you're okay. It's just got to be defined somewhere. But yeah, as I mentioned, here's a create method here. I showed this on the slide <clears throat> with our default health attack bonus. Take damage. So yeah, I changed it here to function take damage. And then I have it set knockback. So what I did here, so whenever the player's sword collides with the enemy, then it's going to give the enemy a negative velocity. And I, I, I track the knockback velocity separate from the enemy's whatever the enemy's current velocity but the thing is is like yeah all enemies are going to inherit this but if you have an enemy that doesn't get knocked back like a boss um then you can override set knockback in the subclass that's just the, a design decision i made you could define knockback in every single en enemy subclass if you wanted to but it seems like it's simpler to do it this way because most enemies can be knocked back so as you see here, I have all the enemies, most of the enemies defined in um, as children. But then I went back <clears throat> and defined this object enemy 01. That's the first enemy that I created. And then I have subclasses of objects. So object enemy 01, again, it's there's no sprite in here. But this has like the default attributes for this enemy. This is kind of like an Octorok in Legend, Legend of Zelda. They just move, wait, pick a new direction, move again. <clears throat> and oh, by the way, as I started working on this game a little bit more, I decided uh, using kind of like a playmaker approach, <laughs> playmaker from Unity, have everything defined in states. If you don't have states, things get really messy. So for this enemy, it's easier to have a state moving, and a state waiting so it just alternates or goes between those two states and and i have a state variable which is just an integer and i define some constants i can't remember if you can do enums in game maker i think you can i just define them as integers so i have a state waiting state moving and state stun so basically it loops three between waiting and moving and depending on what state it is it calls either um I th think there's a method in here. Yeah, do moving. It should be like a do waiting. But, uh, and then like a start moving and start waiting. So whenever you enter this state, these get called. Whenever you're actively in the state, you do moving or do waiting. I guess I don't have a do waiting. But <clears throat> that's kind of the approach that I took to doing this. And I could probably do a whole nother talk just on... And what these are called is finite state autonomy, deterministic finite autonomy. They go by different names, but it makes things a little bit cleaner. Otherwise, you're going to have like all these little countdown timers, <laughs> and you're going to say, "Oh, is it is it the wait timer? Is it default timer?" Da, 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 da. So it's easier just to have one state. So here's this step right here. So I have just one switch statement. So it's going to switch on the state if it's in state waiting. 
then we're going to subtract from the delay, then after the delay gets to zero, then we're going to start state moving. That moves it into the moving state. If it's in the moving state, we're going to do moving, then we're going to subtract off the delay. Once the delay gets down to zero, then we're going to go into the start wait, start state waiting. And then if the enemy's weapon collides with the enemy, then we got a special state called state stun, which is basically make uh, makes the enemy not move at all. And there's like a delay. And after that reaches zero, then we're going to start moving again. So yeah, this makes things a lot cleaner, just like with the three states here, not having a bunch of timers and all this. And whenever we go to a new state, that delay timer just gets reset. So you just have one delay timer that moves it between these two states, the waiting and moving state. And then if there's a collision between the weapon and the enemy, then it goes directly to the state stunned. So this enemy has three different states here. So that's just in the object enemy, which if you instantiated this enemy, this object enemy 01, it wouldn't do anything at all. So that's why I have these children. So I have a enemy one, uh, and I kind of cleaned it up here in the hierarchy. I can create a group. So I group these three enemies under the OBJ enemy 01. That way you can like hide them and pop them out like that. Makes things a little bit cleaner so you can hide things and find things without going through a million enemies down here in your list. <clears throat> so the weakest one is object. So I use green as weak, blue as medium, red as most difficult for the ranks. So if you look at object enemy one, he does have a sprite. I guess the one thing you could do, you could define the sprite in the, in the parent and then use some, define a color and use some stuff with the sprite coloring but it's easier just to create different sprites for everything and just call them yourself so in the object enemy 01 green we have a speed of one bonus one then then the wait time values for moving and waiting and in step we don't even do anything in step this is the whole subclass right here just changing these values so if we look at enemy blue <clears throat> same thing going on here he has a little bit more health a little bit more attack bigger bonus same speed smaller wait times um and then step nothing we just call i don't even think i need step here i could probably delete it um and it probably still work and then we have the blue color sprite for the blue enemy and then for the red one, then he's got even more health, bigger bonus, faster speed, and a little bit longer wait time. I changed the wait time. I reduced the wait time and I increased the move time. So here we got like, this is the game right here. So yeah, we've got three different enemies. See, this one has a little bit more health. He gets knocked back. So yeah, the green ones go down in one hit. The blue ones take two hits. And then the red one takes four hits. And he gives a bigger bonus. So to the player, it looks like it's three totally different enemies, but we define that one enemy type and find three children. 
And just with these values and changing the sprite, it kind of looks like a different enemy. It's, it's just a, a different rank of an enemy. So I think that makes your game a lot more interesting because you've got different types of enemy, and you're not doing a lot of extra work to get those additional enemies. But if you see a lot of games, at least the games that I see, you just have one enemy and one behavior and on one level. And a lot of the old like NES games, you, you saw this a lot with the older games where you can take one one set of behaviors and then just make some slight changes and, uh, and make it look like com completely different levels of enemies. Um, yeah, so I kind of, yeah, kind of miss those days <laughs> where, where you'd have the different levels and things like that. But yeah, that's basically it. Hope everybody learned something and hopefully make game your game maker games a little bit better uh with without doing too much extra work so anyway i'm gonna wrap it up for october 2023 20, appreciate everyone out there listening and watching